Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8, if you want to turn in your Bibles um, there for today. This will be lesson 9 of 9, and so we will finish up this series today. And um, really everything that we've talked about is coming to a head today, and so I hope you'll listen and pay attention. I am burdened about what we're about to talk about. Um, I think that it is um, applicable and growing ever more applicable and relevant as our world continues to change. And um, I, I would like to say that I was a good enough planner to have prepared what we're about to talk about on the Sunday following the election, um, but I'm not, but God is. And so here's what I want you to do for just a second. I believe that if you'll listen with your heart, you will apply it, and you will take the principles that we're about to talk about, that this could honestly be a turning point in your Christian life. Not because of me, not because of this class, not, that's not what I'm talking about, because of God and His Word. And sometimes one of the things that I have just become extremely aware of in the last couple of weeks is that church is just kind of what we do. Um, especially in the South. Um, it just kind of is who we are. We, we show up, we come to church, we carry our Bibles, and we do all the things that we're supposed to do, and we never allow what happens within these walls to actually change who we are. And what the passage that we're about to look at is, all, is so intriguing to me. Um, one, because I think it lays out one of the most underrated principles in Scripture, but two, because it shows you just how far off we can get as human beings. And when we look at what we're talking about with the soul, here is what I want you to walk away with today, is that literally when the rest of the world is going crazy, when life is going wrong for you, when your body is racked with maybe some sort of disease, when you are at the end of your life on your deathbed, when you're experiencing financial loss, when you're experiencing emotional pain, when there's relationship problems, it can be well with your soul. And I think that if we grasp that concept, we would look a lot different to the rest of the world. And right now, there's a lot of Christians that are wringing their hands. Oh, no, what's, what's going to happen? What, what, what are we going to do next? We're going to do what we've always done. We're going to keep our hope and faith in God. If the world changes, if America goes to pot, if things become difficult for the church and Christianity, we should and will do what we have always done. And let me just encourage you with this that now more than ever is not a time to go sour with Christianity. It's not a time to go sour with the church. It is a time to buckle down and focus on what matters. Focus on what is important. 
Focus on what will impact eternity. Focus on what will change your life and change those around you. Because here's what I believe is about to happen in our country, and I'll get off of that and we'll dive into the actual lesson, okay? I believe that God is setting the stage for either one of two things. Either one, he's setting the stage for him to do his greatest work yet, because everyone is about to find out that there is an emptiness that comes in this world by solely focusing on it. Or two, he is preparing us for heaven. If either one of those two scenarios are true, our job becomes that much more important, doesn't it? Our job to stay focused on God and his word and the gospel becomes that much more important. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're actually going to take an evaluation today, okay? Today's lesson's completely different, all right? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's start with a word of prayer. We'll read the passage, give a brief introduction, and then we'll go through a couple of thoughts and a couple questions. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give you about 20 seconds to just ask God, God, show me something. Lord, show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm right. Show me where I need to buckle down on. Lord, show me what to do, and if you will show me, I will change it. Dearly Father, Lord, you know that today's lesson for me is not going to be an easy one to teach. Um, I firmly believe that it is not going to be popular with some, but that is not my goal. Lord, my goal is to be true to you, to your word, to what you're doing in my heart and in my life. And Lord, to teach what I believe is true and what I believe that your spirit wants to do in us at this moment. God, I ask that you would help us to hone our sights, hone our focus back in on you. Lord, this world is a disaster. Lord, there are plenty of things that we probably walked into this room either angry about, disappointed about, discouraged about, upset about, and maybe even glad about. And if any of those things are not you, then we've become focused on what you've given us here. So God, I pray that you would help us as we look into your word, as we look at these principles that are laid out. Lord, that you would help us to take a deep evaluation of where we stand with you. Lord, this thing that we call revival that we have prayed for is really just the normal state of the Christian life. We shouldn't need to pray for it because we should already have it individually in our hearts and in our lives. And I believe the root cause of that is because of what we're about to look at today. So help us to do the soul-stirring work of changing who we are from the inside out and seeing you use us in a world that needs to see Christians at their best and not at their worst. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's look at Mark chapter number 8. Let's begin reading in verse number 31 to kind of set the stage for the verses that we'll um, refer to. But Mark 31 says, Mark 8, verse 31 says this, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, speaking to his followers, speaking to the people around him. And he spake that saying openly. So Jesus is telling them, this is what's about to happen. This is what I'm doing. This is my plan. This is, this is how God's work is coming together. He's giving them the inside scoop. 
Okay? And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. That verse is almost humorous to me. Okay? That here you have the Son of God who's saying, this is my plan, this is what God's going to do, this is how God is going to do it, and Peter pulls him aside, a human being, who, by the way, is probably one of the most flawed disciples in Scripture, and says, Jesus, you know, that whole crucifixion talk, probably need to tone it down a little bit. Like, that's not super popular. Like, let that sink in, okay? That Peter, the guy who eventually is going to deny Christ, the guy who says, let's pray down fire upon their heads when they don't do, the guy who pushed kids away and says Jesus doesn't have, this is the guy who's pulling Jesus aside and saying, hey, Let's tone it down a little bit on, on the whole crucifixion talk, okay? But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter. So how did that work out with Peter? It didn't go good, because now Jesus says, Peter, you're wrong. Stop thinking like a human being and start thinking the way that I want you to think. So then he says this, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. He said, your focus was on what you got from everyone around me. What was popular? What was trendy? What, what was right? What was helpful? Your focus was on what made men around you happy and not what made me happy. So how do you solve that? Verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Meaning this. Following Jesus Christ is going to cost you something. You don't get an easy Christianity out of Scripture. You don't get a simple Christianity, uh, just a, oh, well, I accepted Jesus Christ so that everything's going to be hunky-dory. Let him deny himself and then listen and take up his cross and follow me. It's going to cost you something. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall save his life, for, or shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You want a life that counts for something? Spend it on what God wants you to spend it on. Spend it on what God, what the gospel can do in your life. Spend it on telling others about the gospel. Spend it on what matters to God, not what matters to man. And here's why. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? and lose his own soul. You can get everything that this world has to offer. You can get everything that is important to you and lose your soul and have not gotten anything. You can get the candidate that you wanted in and, you not, and still lose your soul. You can get all the money in the world and still lose your soul. You can get relationships and still lose your soul. You can get education and still lose your soul. And might I remind you, this was not Jesus talking to lost people. This was Jesus talking to people who had already sold out and followed him. And so lest you think, well, Mark chapter number eight is for all that, like, you'll lose your soul if you don't accept Jesus Christ. No, you will lose your soul if you focus on what this world has to offer and not focus on what God can give you. And right now, I'm standing before you as your teacher, as, as whoever. I don't, even, I, don't know, I don't care about a position. I'm standing before you, and I am begging you, stop getting wrapped up in this present world. 
On Wednesday night, we sang this world is not my home, and we sang it like this. This world is not my home. This world isn't our home. Christianity wasn't intended to be cushy. Christianity wasn't intended to be all about you. Christianity was intended to be all about Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying don't stand up for what's right. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't get caught up in maybe some of the things. Our country is a mess, and there are things that we can do. But get caught up in Jesus Christ more than anything else that this world has to offer. Because if you're not careful, you will ride the roller coaster of this life. And when everything's going great, man, God's great. But when everything's going bad, oh. And what if, what if God is setting the stage for us as Christians to be able to say, hey, God's still good even when I didn't get my way. Hey, God's still good even when something isn't going the way that I thought. Hey, God's still good even though I don't know what is happening. I will continue to press on toward Him. And so that leads us to this thought today. Is it well with your soul? And here's what we're about to do. If there is anything that we stink at as human beings, it is self-evaluation. Isn't it? Since the Garden of Eden, we've stunk at it. Why? God said, who caused thee to eat of the tree? It was the woman. Right? We're good at shifting blame. We're good at saying, it wasn't me. Whatever, God, whatever you think, it wasn't me, I promise. Okay? We're really good at saying, I'm not wrong, someone else is. And so here's what I want you to do. This week I was reminded of this. My wife finally made me go to the doctor for something that I'm having going on in my, in my back. Okay? And so this week, how many of you have you ever been to the doctor and they give you like those 30 pieces of paper where you got to fill out all that evaluation? Like, please describe your symptoms. Has there been dizziness? Has there been sickness? Has there been vomiting? Has there... And it's like, I only have like two, but you're making me feel like I'm going to have the other 30, right? Like, like, well, I don't think I've vomited, but I kind of feel like I could right now, so I'm going to circle it, all right? And here's what we do sometimes is we, have you ever even convinced yourself that you're not sick? Like, the, actually, when I, got, when I went and got the little COVID test, I went to bed on Wednesday night, and I, I thought, like, I'm just going to sleep it off. Like, I'll feel better. Thursday morning, I woke up, and I thought, okay, I probably, like, with the school and with everything going on at the church, I need to go get tested. So she scheduled a test while I was taking a nap that night. I woke up Thursday morning, and I was like, I ain't got nothing. Like, I'm good. Like, and, like, in my mind, my, like, my head's swirling, and, like, my body's achy, and I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. Like, it doesn't. We convince ourselves that we're okay, don't we? We're actually really good at it. And in this passage, here's what you see. Is that Peter convinced himself that the God of the universe was wrong and that he was right. Jesus, let's talk about this. You need to tone it down on what you're talking about. And here's what I want you to see today. We have gotten really good at making Christianity about the external, visible things and never realizing that Christianity does an internal, invisible thing that manifests itself externally. When Christ saved your soul eternally, He wanted to do a work internally so that it may show externally. I want you to want to repeat that. When Jesus Christ saved your soul internally, or eternally. 
He did it so that there would be a work internally that would manifest itself or show itself externally. How is it, and I want you to listen to this before we dive into these questions, okay? How is it that there are people in this world and in this church and in churches all around America that can do all of the right things externally yet be so wrong internally? Just this week, I'm not going to mention his name, I'm not going to bring glory to it, but just this week I saw another post of a megachurch pastor that cheated on his wife and had to step down out of ministry. I don't agree with how he runs his church, but here's what I'm saying, okay? How can you do everything right externally and say all the right things and stand up and sing and talk about God and call people to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and still be looking for something else? It has something to do with what is inside more than what we do with what is outside. So here's the first question that I want to ask you, and I want to actually give you a couple of minutes here to, to kind of evaluate. What are the symptoms of your soul? What are the symptoms of your soul? Some of you, you walked into this room and you are just empty and broken. Some of you are tired. Not just like a, I need a nap tired, like you are just depleted. You're running on empty. Some of you are stressed. Some are depressed. Some are anxious. What's the symptoms? What's going on that maybe no one else in this world knows about? Because here's what I, I'm learning and that I'm even feeling in my life is that if I am so quick to say, I'm okay, there's no symptoms. Like, let me just get, I'll tough it out. Let me just get over it. Let me get over the hump. Let me, just, let me just handle it. If I'm so quick to say that, then here's what will eventually happen. If I hide my symptoms long enough, eventually I'll also go and find my own cure. And that's why you have marriages that you as a young adult, you sit there and you watch and you think, if that's what marriage is, then I don't want it. That's why when maybe this generation, not obviously the people sitting in this room, but when this generation steps back and they, they look at some of the evil that's happened in churches and some of the, they think, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. And it's because we're really good at convincing ourselves that there are no symptoms. We're really good at saying, I'm okay. When the truth is, is that right now, if you look at statistics, Christians and the church, granted that's a broad term, have this almost similar divorce rates as, as the world. The pornography rates in churches is the same as what it would be at a workplace. There's a disconnect. How is it that we can do all of the right things externally, but yet be so off internally? And while we step back and we check everything off the list that we were able to do that made it okay with everyone around us, oh, that person's good. 
All the while, there's something going on in our heart that only God knows about. And if you cannot diagnose and look into your own soul and find symptoms, then I can promise you, you will eventually find your own cure. So what are your symptoms? Secondly, is your soul filled with sin or disobedience? Is your soul filled with sin or disobedience? I am all about amazing grace. I believe that God loves us unconditionally, but here's what you cannot find in Scripture. You cannot find where God is okay with sin. You just can't. Meaning that sin separates you from God. You can dress it up, you can make excuses, you can normalize it, but at the end of the day, sin is the great separator from God. Meaning this, that if you don't feel close to God, who moved? Who drove a wedge between it? Who changed? Was it God or was it possibly us as human beings who said, God, I would rather have my sin than have fellowship with you? So is your soul filled with sin or disobedience? That's the one thought on your, on your handout that doesn't have a verse because I reference you to the entirety of Scripture, okay? Grace is always there. God always wants you to come back. God is always ready and willing to forgive. It doesn't change your salvation. It doesn't change the fact that you can spend eternity in heaven, but it does change the sweetness of the abundant life that Jesus promised. So is there sin? Is there disobedience? And thirdly, is your soul rested? <laughs> I know the answer. No, okay? I'm tired. Matthew chapter number 11 has become really a staple piece in my life. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your what? One of you, thank you, all right? And I will give you rest for, it's in our series title, okay? I will give you rest for your what? Souls. He says, come unto me, all ye that weary and are heavy laden. How many of you feel weary and heavy laden Monday through Saturday and then normally also on Sunday? Anybody, my hands up? Like, okay. That's kind of like a glimpse of life, Right? If you had a journal for your life, it should be titled Weary and Heavy Laden, okay? And you guys don't even have kids yet. Like, uh, sometimes on Collegians for Christ on our little Zoom call, I always joke with them that I said, my prayer request is that it's about to be time for us to put our kids to bed, and that is awful. Because it's just like, oh my goodness, I, like, I, I, I can't go to sleep until I get them to sleep, and I can't get them to sleep. They're not weary, but I am weary and heavy laden, and they're not, Okay? They are dehydrated and need 35 drinks in the middle of the night and need to go and I don't know what. Anyways. But what's the solution? He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Is your soul rested? And then fourthly, is your soul satisfied with God? Is your soul satisfied with God? 
I wonder how many Christians would still think God was good if they lived in a foreign country, third world country. I wonder how many of us would still think God was good if we went through a life like Job had. And the truth is, is we think God is good as long as His blessings are still in our life. We think God is good as long as everything's okay. But could it be that people would actually believe that we mean it if we thought God was good when things weren't okay? It's easy to say that you love your parents on Christmas morning, but it's hard to say that you love your parents when you're in trouble, isn't it? And it's easy to say God is good when everything's great. But sometimes it's really hard to say God is good when things aren't great. So is your soul satisfied with God and God alone? And then lastly is this. Is your soul with God? Just out of curiosity, did anybody take us up on the challenge and put reminders on your phone that say, said, where is God in this moment? Did anybody? Good, good class participation. <laughs> Great job. Okay, well, I did, okay? And the other day, I actually had one go off. Well, I closed my eyes and I put them in because I didn't want, like, normally, when I first put them in, I thought, okay, when was the time that I would be really spiritual and, like, I would want this to go off and I would just think, man, God is so good. So I actually closed my eyes and punched in two times. I did a morning one and I did an afternoon one. I think one's, like, 9.37 and one's, like, 2.22 or something like that. But anyways, so I did one in the morning, did one in the afternoon. The other day, I was sitting in a meeting and it was just, it was not good. Like, in fact, I was getting very irritated. I was like, this, this is not going good. Like, I, and that thing went off on my, and so I, like, the blessings of Apple Watches, blessings and curses of Apple Watches is that it buzzed. And of course, being an undisciplined human being, I was like, and looked at it, all right? And I saw, ask yourself, where is God in this moment? And I literally laughed. I thought, and I said, he's not here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it was, that, it was the reminder that I needed that, hey, even in some frustrating moments, God is here. And if you'll recall that lesson, the, the statement that I made is, the question is not, is God with us? The question is, are we with God? And so you know what I had to do internally as someone was talking to me and kind of giving me a piece of their mind? I had to think, man, God, I need to be good with you. I need to find you. So now that we've taken the evaluation, here's the treatment plan. First of all, regularly evaluate your, the state of your soul. Regularly, well, that's hard to say. Regularly evaluate the state of your soul. The soul tends toward a lack of health and a lack of wellness more than it tends toward being well. So regularly evaluate the state of your soul. Ask yourself, God, is there anything between me and you? That's what Lord's Supper's about. God, am I focused on something that is not what you want me to focus on? Am I becoming satisfied with something else? Am I searching for my satisfaction from my relationships, from my friendships, from my finances, from success, from whatever, from productivity? Man, today was a great day. God's good. I got 37 jobs done on my to-do list. Woo! I am successful. Oh, God. Where are you? only got one thing done today. 
I didn't even do it right. Do you see the high and low of life? So regularly evaluate the state of your soul. Secondly, fight or eliminate the enemies of your soul. We talked about how 1 Peter says that there are enemies that war against the soul. And if you're not careful, the things of this life will wear you down to the place to where you feel spiritually depleted. How many of you have ever come and sat in church and it just feels like you're like, oh, it just feels so good to sit down. Like you don't even care about like what's going on in church. Like you would have sat at like, <laughs> how many of you have ever been, let's, let's change the illustration because church is a little bit too close to home, okay? How many of you have ever been to an amusement park and you go to a show just to sit there and cool down and sit, okay? Like that is when you know you've arrived at like height level old age, right? Like you're like, it's hot, my feet hurt, I'm tired, I just want, I don't care if it's Tinkerbell or what, like I just want to sit in the air condition. Like I have fallen asleep at shows, like with, like in those little theme park shows with as a teenager because it's like, it's just so hot. And I don't want to pay $99 for a bottle of water, so I'll just go sit and watch anything that you put up there, all right? And sometimes that's the way we feel through life, isn't it? When we get to church and it's just like, oh, it just feels good to sit here. Like, I don't have to talk. Someone just has to talk to me. Fight the enemies of your soul. Fight what is depleting you. Eliminate what is hurting your walk with God. And then thirdly, develop consistent habits that invest in your soul. Develop consistent habits that invest in your soul. The same way that you develop spending habits is the same way that you develop your soul. Eventually you figure out, I probably don't need to subscribe to every email that's going to give me a good deal. Like, that is just a glutton for punishment. Like, 20% off? Oh my goodness, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. If I don't buy it now, when am I going to get it? How many credit cards do I have? If I can split the payment between these three credit cards, I'm good. Still owe for the credit card, okay? Sometimes that's the way we feel in our soul, isn't it? Well, I just got to have more. I just got to have more. No, find the things, that build the habits that invest and that build you up. Meaning that you should have a regular time with God. Meaning that you should have prayer. Meaning that you should spend time with people that build you up. And not if, you're, if the people that you spend your time around are always... Oh my goodness, the world is bad. Do you know what your soul is going to be? Oh my goodness, the world is bad. But if you're around people that are encouraging, that are uplifting, hey, let's pray about that. I am praying for you today. I hope you have a great day. Those are the kind of friends that you want. And then lastly is this. Ask yourself regularly, is my soul with God? Focus your soul on being with God. I made a statement in my prayer that said revival is the natural state of the Christian. That statement was made to me this week, and I'll be honest with you, it, it kind of stung. Because here's what we do. We automatically assume that because things are bad, we need revival. And by the way, I think that is true, and I think that that is the solution. But what if we lived in a revived state? Did you know that people that are good and healthy don't go to the doctor? Why? Because they don't need a doctor. And sometimes we as Christians 
are so broken and hurt, so depleted, that we spend our time needing so much help that there's no way that we can help someone else. And I'll be honest with you, as a Christian, Christianity as a whole, this is our time. This, this is the time to get it right, not to get it wrong. This is the time to refocus your heart on God right now as a young adult. And say, God, I'm going to pursue you at all costs. I want you more than anything else in this life. I want to be with you. And here's what I, would, here's what I want to conclude with. Is if you are with God, then there's really nothing else that matters. Oh yeah, are there things that would make your life better? Absolutely. But guess what? That's the cherry on top. It's not the ice cream at the bottom. I actually almost brought in a cup. How many of you have ever had like one of those Sonic cups that gets a hole in it? Okay, like those little styrofoam cups and like you either have a milkshake or something in it. It's a slow leak, isn't it? Like it's not like it comes gushing out all at one time and you're like, oh my goodness, my milkshake's falling out the bottom. But you can start to see it kind of seep through. And sometimes that's the way that our soul is. is we, we have all these holes in our soul. It's just like someone stabbed it to death. Okay? Big holes, little holes, maybe little gaps. And then we fill it with something and it starts to slowly leak. And so what do we do? Fill it with more, fill it with more, fill it with more. When here's what God wants to do. He wants to patch the holes. He wants you to be filled with Him. And then anything that you get on top of that is just extra. Anything that you get in addition to God, it's just a blessing. Anything positive, <laughs> I got a raise this week. Wasn't counting on it, but praise the Lord. Ah, oh, had a bad week. Praise the Lord. Lost my job. That stinks, but praise the Lord. I still have God. Do you see how far we are away from that as American Christians? Not just American Christians, Christians worldwide. And so let me close with the question that we started the series off with, and really the whole crux of it. Is it well with your soul? Right now, is it okay that you have only God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.